The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to She Talks Health with Sophie Shepard. Today's woman has a lot of questions about their health and lifestyle choices. But where can you get the right answers? The answer is here and the time is now. Here is your host, Sophie Shepard. Welcome back, ladies, to the She Talks Health podcast. This is your host, Sophie Shepard, founder of She Talks Health. You can find me on shetalkshealth.com and, of course, on Instagram and Facebook at the same thing, which is She Talks Health. And I'm a period health coach and a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. And I absolutely love bringing you all these experts in nutrition and wellness and functional medicine every single week. And this week is no exception. I have Whitney Morgan, who is a fellow functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, but actually she's one of the mentors. So I have known Whitney through that uh, capacity, which has been really wonderful. And in addition to being an FDNP, Whitney's actually a licensed acupuncturist as well. And she's a certified gluten-free practitioner. And she works with gluten-sensitive and celiac women who've collected one or more autoimmune diseases and are just fed up with diagnosis and disease management, this kind of treadmill we all go through. Uh, I think a lot of the women listening can relate to that. And today we're going to be talking all things gluten and gluten sensitivity because I think there's so much confusion over how to get tested, what's the right test, what's a gluten symptom, how could it be affecting my body, and Whitney is the literal world's best expert in gluten and gluten sensitivity. So Whitney, welcome to the She Talks Health podcast. Uh, Thank you, Sophie. I'm super excited to be chatting with you today. So great to see you in person. It is really great to see you in person. Whitney and I have done so many uh, what we call medical director kind of reviews where we look over different people's labs and Whitney guides us uh, junior FDNs through the complex world that the human body (laughs) creates. (laughs) I usually talk to Whitney about gut related things, which of course is really related to gluten. So she's just an amazing expert. And Whitney, I'd love to kind of start, I know you, you have all the clinical background about gluten, but I know you also have a really personal story with gluten and your own health story. Would you be willing to share with us kind of how you got into this world? Sure. Um, Well, like most of us in this world, it was unexpected, right? Um, And it was really dictated by my own personal health journey. Um, I grew up in a tradition, traditional medical family. So my dad's a surgeon, my mom's an OR nurse, and there's doctors all over my family. So I I really was conditioned that Western medicine was the end-all be-all of everything. So when my health started taking a turn for the worse, which was in my 20s, I got hit with um, just incredible anxiety and panic attacks. Um, of course, I went to a, a, a specialist and, and got my Xanax prescription. Um, then in my 30s, I developed psoriasis on my, on my elbows and my knees, and I went to a dermatologist. I got my steroids in my 40s. I was diagnosed with interstitial cystitis. I went to like the best urologist in the country. Um, And, you know, I don't know if if your audience knows much about interstitial cystitis, but it's an incredibly painful bladder disease. It's an autoimmune disease and it's pain 24-7. We are, Uh, we haven't talked about it yet, but I am planning on bringing on a pelvic floor 
specialist to awesome. talk about like pain um, related Good. issues. Good. Know that this is a big one. Ouch, 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 ouch. It's, okay. yeah, it's a big one. Um, and that was really for me when I kind of hit rock bottom in terms of my health because I was in the doctor's office and he was looking at me and, and you know, in my little white paper gown there and said to me, you know, this isn't going to kill you, but you're going to die with it and it's going to get worse. Um, we can try and manage your pain, but there's nothing that can be done. You should join a support group. And every cell in my body in that moment just screamed, no. And literally, Sophie, it was like I walked out of that office completely a different person. I just said, no, I'm sorry. Western medicine is, has nothing to offer me. Um, they're great at diagnosis, but boy, they don't have any answers for me. So I jumped down this rabbit hole of alternative health. So I did a lot of my own self-study um, about nutrition and naturopathy. I started acupuncture school. I actually healed my interstitial cystitis through dietary and lifestyle changes. Oh my gosh, incredible. I know, right? Something that the urologist said could never be done. Of course. Um, but I still didn't know um, at this time that I had an underlying um, gluten condition, right? It, it had gone undiagnosed. So in the meantime, during acupuncture school, I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's. So here I was, I had, a, I had a chronic panic disorder. I had been diagnosed with three autoimmune diseases, one of which I was asymptomatic. And then as a fluke, they found my celiac disease. So in 2010, I was diagnosed with celiac disease. And I believe it was basically 20 years in the making that it was my panic and, and anxiety. That was the first red flag. That's how my celiac disease manifested, was neurological primarily. Then all these other autoimmune diseases were a product of the damage that was going on in my gut, um, and that was leaving me vulnerable to other autoimmune diseases. So once I got that celiac diagnosis, then that was a huge aha moment for me. So then I just focused all of my efforts in terms of my education on gluten and gluten-related disorders and gluten sensitivity and celiac disease. And then all of the pieces of the puzzle started coming together for me. But it wasn't until I really eliminated gluten from my life and healed the damage that gluten had caused that I started freeing myself of all of these other ailments. Holy moly, Whitney. And, and you know, your story is not rare. You no, know? it's not. But, but that's what the craziest thing that as FDNs we see. So, I mean, I see this stuff left, right, and center. And if it's not yeah. interstitial cystitis and psoriasis, it's eczema and acne and um, PCOS and endometriosis or whatever it is. I mean, yes. the chronic illness that, that women are dealing with and anyone is dealing with in this country is astronomical and so much of it is related to to inflammatory issues like you just talked about and one of the biggest fire lighters is gluten and yes. i i can really relate to some of what you're saying although luckily for me it was not a quite gosh how many years was that for you 20 20 20, 20 uh, years yeah that's and for me i was luckier in that it was only an eight year journey, but I, I agree. I think I don't, I don't have celiac disease. I have non-celiac gluten sensitivity, which I'm sure we'll talk about the difference in 
and the not difference of those two things and right. why, um, why they, how they manifest. And like you, I also had neurological issues with it and developed Hashimoto's. And, um, yeah. I believe that the setting stage for me was, you know, about seven or eight years of a leaky gut that was basically misdiagnosed as IBS and mm -hmm. was never really treated and went, you know, on and on. And I developed this anxiety and was medically treated for that as well. And, you know, it's like you, you go to these doctors because you have this symptom and they treat you with something and it, it helps to band-aid it, but it doesn't really fix the, the underlying issue. And then 20 years later, you're dealing with four autoimmune diseases and like what happened to my life. So. Absolutely. And these specialists are looking through their own specialized lens. Right. right? So they, they see everything through their discipline. And that's, that's not a negative. It's not a judgment. It's just a reality. That's their training. But no one asks why. Right. What are the underlying triggers? What, why did you develop this in the first place? It's all about let's manage the symptoms now that you now that you've been diagnosed. And that isn't helpful for for most people with chronic disease. Right, because we just go on to develop new symptoms. I, I love that you brought that up, and, and it'll probably segue beautifully into how do we even learn if we, you know, what are, what are, what are the tests we can do? Yeah. I had a woman on the phone with me this morning wondering if she should join my Empower Her program, which is a 12-week gut and hormone restoration program that I'm partnered with Kyleen. Um, do you know Kyleen Tuhirn? Yes, um, I do. Yeah, yeah, and so we kind of combined forces. But she, you know, she had this great question, which was well, can't I just go to, you know, an endocrinologist and get these labs run? And, you know, I was like, well, you, yeah, you can go to a doctor and they, they might run some labs, right? But unless you have a disease, they can't diagnose you with anything. If they can't diagnose you with anything, they can't treat you. And so mm -hmm. you might have something they can, they can treat and put, um, like give a medication to, but you might also not, and you could still be feeling really terrible. And I think that that's why the world needs us FDNs to support with that gap where so many people are feeling really terrible and they're not sure, sure where to go next and we can help them with these, with these tests. So yes, I agree. Maybe that's a good segue into how there are, there's so much noise out there on social media about food sensitivity testing and all this stuff. What's the state of the art for learning about wheat and gluten sensitivity um, in terms of testing? Sure. Well, the first thing to understand is that if you go to your regular doctor, whether it's a GI doc, you know, gastroenterologist, or, or your family medical doctor, and you say to them, hey, I want to be tested for gluten sensitivity, most likely they are going to run a celiac panel on you because that everything in traditional medicine around gluten has been dictated by the celiac population. So they will run a celiac panel that's looking for maybe the, the genetic markers for celiac disease, but usually it's looking for antibodies to something called alpha-gliadin or deaminated gliadin, which is basically just one peptide of gluten. Uh, and then it's looking for uh, antibodies to a couple of other things that, that are specific um, indicators of gut damage. So people with celiac disease, celiac disease is an autoimmune disease of the gut triggered by gluten. So in order to identify it, we have to be able to um, find indicators of a certain level of gut damage in addition to antibody response to gluten. Most people with celiac disease respond to the alpha-gliadin peptide, so that's why they look at that. But 
most, you know, let, let's say you're not a celiac. Let's say you just have gluten sensitivity. Or let's say you have celiac disease, but you're not far enough along your journey to have gut damage to the extent where your test would come back positive. Or you have celiac disease, but you also have a compromised immune system, so your, your immune system isn't able to really elevate those antibodies. Well, then your celiac panel is going to come back negative. So you can have celiac disease and get a negative celiac panel. And absolutely, if you have gluten sensitivity, nine times out of 10, the test your doctor runs, which is a celiac panel, is going to come back negative. So then they're going to say to you, oh, you don't have a problem with gluten. That's not true. What it means is you don't have celiac disease yet. That's all that test is telling you, right? So, but the majority of people who are who have a problem with gluten are not celiac. They are non-celiac gluten sensitive like yourself. Right. right? And can we back up one second? Just in, I sure. know we talked about antibodies on the show before, but can you just explain what that actually means? Because people might not even know that level of what you mean by antibodies. Um, so yeah. can you explain how that relates to gluten? Sure. So your immune system um, has different antibodies, and think of it as different. I love Dr. Tom O'Brien talks about it this way. He talks about um, different parts of your immune system like they're different parts of the military. You got your Air Force and your Marines, right, and your Navy. All right, so that's what's going on in your immune system. You have IgA antibodies, IgG antibodies, IgM antibodies, and these antibodies are the way in which your immune system battles um, enemies, Right? So those enemies could be viruses, they could be toxins, or they can be foods that are bad for you, right? even healthy foods, but, but for whatever reason, your immune system doesn't like them. So this is really common if you have a leaky gut because th these foods get through the gut into the bloodstream where they don't belong and your immune system recognizes them as a danger and so they get tagged with different antibodies. Okay, mm -hmm. so Thanks, when sir. that what, what was that? No, thanks for explaining that. Cause I, yeah. I remember, um, many like a year ago, I asked you to explain antibodies to me and I loved the analogy that you gave me there because you can read about it in science, but the analogy is really helpful as this like kind of mm -hmm. army and this like war really that's going on. And, and one of the things that you said that I think is really important is that on certain tests, your, your immune system can be so depleted because you've been fighting yes. this war for so long that you literally cannot create an immune response to being exposed to an antigen like gluten, right? So absolutely, what we're saying is it could almost give you a false, a false negative, right? You could be having such a bad reaction, but your immune system is like, I got nothing else for you. <laughs> no, no more fighting me. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is too, is, is that some tests only, only are looking at what the air force is doing and not what the Marines are doing. Right. So if you're only looking at IgA antibodies, but hey, maybe I have a forced depletion when it comes to IgA, but you're not looking at IgG antibodies, and maybe that's elevated on me. Right. right? So it really is not just about, um, you know, looking for antibodies, period, but it's what type of antibodies are you looking for? And are you confirming that the immune system for that particular antibody is robust enough to mount a response? That's very important. And most traditional tests do not confirm that. 
So you, so you mentioned that people would go for the celiac panel if you went yeah. to, to your MD and say, you know, I think I might have a, an issue with gluten, but they're not going to screen for non-celiac gluten sensitivity because that's not an autoimmune disease. Is that correct? Right. Um, well, they're not screening for it because that's not their training, okay. right? The, the, the only tests that are valid in terms of what they can order and what they can get reimbursed for and what insurance is going to cover are going to be traditional tests like the celiac panel. So that's why it's dictated for them. Um, so you're going to miss out on a huge population of people who aren't celiac um, but still have problems with gluten, still have sensitivity to gluten. So for that, you really do need functional labs like you and I are used to using with our clients. Right. And so there's, there's, I think people, this is a really good point also to bring up, like there's celiac disease that Whitney mentioned is the autoimmune disease. There's non-celiac gluten sensitivity. And then of course there's always, you can always have like an anaphylactic or, you know, sure. like, like a allergy to gluten. It's probably less common, I would say, than non-celiac gluten sensitivity or celiac disease. So there's kind of different layers in which people could be reacting to this gluten and it's important to get the right testing. So what, what is the right, right testing for someone? To, sure. To well, let's back up just a second too, because, um, you know, the way in which we talk about uh, sensitivity to, to gluten is we use the term gluten all the time. I mean, that's, that's in our vernacular. That's what we're used to, to saying, but it's really wheat sensitivity is, is what we should be talking about because I can be wheat sensitive and not be gluten sensitive right? Mm -hmm. um, but if I'm gluten sensitive, I'm definitely wheat sensitive. So wheat sensitive is the big umbrella term that we, we need to get used to saying more because it, it includes the most inclusive term, right? Mm -hmm. And what I see when I'm testing people for quote unquote gluten sensitivity is that 100% of people who are sensitive to gluten proteins are also sensitive to the non-gluten proteins in wheat. So they are wheat sensitive and gluten sensitive both, if that makes sense. Oh, so it, it does, especially yeah. because, you know, through the work that we've done before, you've taught me about Zoomer testing and in yeah. Zoomer testing, we can see all those individual line items, if you want to call it like that, of how someone's reacting to all these different peptides. And it, it's fascinating to see. I mean, I just got my, re, my Zoomer redone recently and it was just so amazing to see like all the different ways that, yeah, like you said, I am gluten and I'm wheat sensitive to different parts yes. of the, of the peptides of. Of, that make up gluten and wheat. Correct. Yeah. So, so I'm glad you mentioned the Zoomers because I really think that right now that is the most comprehensive and the most sensitive and specific testing that we have to test for wheat sensitivity, gluten sensitivity, and even celiac disease. So the, it really is the, the gold standard uh, of testing. Um, and it's not very expensive. It's, it's, it's very affordable. It's like $200. And also it looks for intestinal permeability at the same time. So you're not just looking at how your immune system is responding to wheat and gluten, but also is your gut leaky? Do you have damage to the cellular structure in your gut? Although are those tight junctions dysregulated? Do you have bacteria that is creeping through into the bloodstream. These are the ways in which we can assess intestinal permeability and, and intestinal permeability and gluten sensitivity are so intertwined 
right? You really can't address one without going after the other. Well, absolutely. And I think, you know, if we looked at the vast population, and I know with Dr. Kara Fitzgerald's work, she's finding that, you know, it's not just that we have like leaky gut that's on or off. It's like, it's, you know, our gut is semi-permeable. So, yes. you know, it needs to be semi-permeable so we can absorb the nutrients, right? But we also want to be keeping out the things that we don't want to be keeping out or the things that we don't want to be getting into our bloodstream and causing this immune sensitivity. So I think it's interesting that, you know, with gluten and leaky gut, they go hand in hand. And like the more gluten most people have, the more leaky gut they have and the more issues they continue to have and vice versa. It's like kind of like a chicken and egg issue, it seems. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter if you're sensitive. That's the thing that I think most people don't understand is that you can have no problem in terms of an immune response to wheat and gluten and still consuming wheat will give you a leaky gut because there is a, um, a the lectin part of wheat, which is called wheat germ and glutenin, absolutely punches holes in the gut of everybody regardless of whether or not you're sensitive and also when you consume gluten the levels of zonulin which is a protein um, in the gut increase and zonulin is what opens up those tight junctions between the cells that make up your mucosal barrier so if you're walking around with elevated levels of zonulin because you have your croissant in the morning and your sandwich at lunchtime um, your gut is leaky you're walking around with a leaky gut all day long because you have a little bit of gluten in the morning, a little bit at lunch, right? Yep. And that, that lectin and that zonulin is going to consistently keep your gut leaky. I say this all the time, and it's, and it's a good segue into how gluten can be causing issues outside of the gut because yeah. I have this client who, and I'd love to go into that next, is like all the things that it can cause and, and this leaky gut issue and, and the gluten issue. I have this client, right? And we ran a Zoomer and her only, her only symptom is fatigue. So I said, let's run, let's run like a, a, a Zoomer. We ran a bunch of Zoomers because yeah. I said, you know, you might have some food sensitivities that are causing, causing you to be fatigued. And she's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. I don't have any GI issues. I thought, uh, right. just give me a second and let's run this thing. So we, <laughs> so we ran it and, um, you know, what came back was in addition to, to gluten, like lighting up like a Christmas tree. I mean, she had a bajillion food sensitivities, which yeah. means that she has a really leaky gut, which was also yes. on the test, just straight up intestinal, intestinal permeability. And in her, the symptom was chronic fatigue. And yes. it really, she ended up messaging me, I think a week later, I think finally getting it because she, she had taken the gluten out. It, that was enough for her to take it out and do an experiment. And then she had some, I think maybe two weeks later. And um, it really toppled her over in terms of yeah. exhaustion and brain fog. And I said, you know, that is exactly what happened to me. I didn't believe it. I took it out for 10 days and then I tried it again. This was eight years ago. And I was literally narcoleptic. I mean, I was backstage yeah. of an off-Broadway show trying to work and I was falling asleep on my boss's shoulder because of gluten. So let's talk about why this stuff is so crazy that it affects, I, what is it, 300 different types of like disease processes or symptoms or something now? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it's a laundry list. It's endless, right? The, the, the level of symptoms or, or medical conditions that are associated with wheat and, and gluten. Um, but, you know, some of the big ones, which, which are the most common, of course, we have GI distress, right? So, so that's the one that everyone associates with gluten 
sensitivity is okay. You, you've got gas and bloating and constipation, diarrhea, IBS, things like that. Um, but the majority of gluten related symptoms occur outside of the gut. So that can be migraines, chronic headaches, anxiety, depression, um, fatigue, um, you know, foggy brain, difficulty concentrating, um, all kinds of skin issues. So eczema, psoriasis, rosacea, um, urticaria, um, the chicken skin, you know, the, the bumps on the back of the arms, um, osteoporosis, osteopenia, uh, numbness of the arms and the legs, peripheral neuropathy, you know, pins and needles, any autoimmune disease whatsoever, um, history of miscarriages, joint pain, um, anemia, iron deficiency anemia um, for sure, uh, and B12, um, sensory disorders, autism, ADD, ADHD, um, failure to thrive, short stature in kids. I mean, it, it's, that's just you know, a handful right, of, of things that are associated. So it's, it really is pervasive. And, and pretty much every autoimmune disease that's out there. If you have yes. an autoimmune disease, it could be yes. related to gluten. In fact, the most common autoimmune disease among women is Hashimoto's. There is almost 100% correlation between Hashimoto's and gluten sensitivity. So if you've been diagnosed with Hashimoto's, I can almost guarantee you, if you run the right lab, you will find that you are sensitive to peptides of wheat and gluten. And that is, that is the main trigger for your Hashimoto's. And until you get rid of that, you will always have that tissue destruction going on at the thyroid. And that right? was my story. I mean, I mean, that was definitely my story. I wish I had known what I know now. I wish I had run an antibody test before and after I'd given yeah. up gluten. But, you know, around the same time that I was trying to figure out what was going on with my health, someone had suggested going gluten-free. And that's when I tried that experiment that I just described. And about six months later was when I found a functional medicine doctor that could take all my, my um, concerns seriously. And he was the one who diagnosed me with Hashimoto's and said, your Hashimoto's is being caused by the leaky gut. And mm -hmm. got to clean up the gut if you want to get your thyroid back online. And now I'm in yeah. full, I mean, I have no, I have barely any antibodies. I think I have four antibodies the last time I checked, but you know, I've, I've identified what's causing, what was causing that tissue damage to the thyroid yes. and I've removed those things and I've healed. Yes. And this is the first thing and the, one of the most important things that you could do to get your thyroid to start <laughs> working again. Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting too, Sophie, is that even let's say you don't have a sensitivity to wheat and gluten. Okay. But remember we said it, it causes a leaky gut, right? Yeah. Well, then that lectin, the, w, the wheat germaglutinin, which we call WGA, goes through the gut. It travels to the thyroid. It has an affinity for the thyroid. It's a really sticky protein and it just sticks onto the thyroid tissue. And then your immune system in an effort to, um, to eliminate it, destroys the surrounding thyroid tissue. So even without the sensitivity, gluten can still initiate Hashimoto's because of the leakage through the gut. Wow. I didn't I know. know. You just blew my mind. <laughs> you know, what you do here and why, I guess maybe let's link this into autoimmunity. I mean, the thing that you have to remember, you guys listening to this with the autoimmune connection to gluten and the leaky gut is we know that leaky gut is like one of the three things that can be the groundwork for autoimmune disease to right. populate. 
and um, and the others, I believe, being genetic predisposition and a, a major stressor. Um, <laughs> it's so interesting thinking about my story, and I'm sure you have the same ones with like, oh yeah, and that's where they all came from. <laughs> and you're like, what's going on in my life when when the autoimmune disease came to play, and and the other autoimmune disease came to play, and. I think that's something we have to always think about when we're talking about leaky gut and people don't understand. We're not just talking about diarrhea or constipation. We're talking about what, what Winnie just beautifully said was is this inflammation can go anywhere in the body. The, the gluten peptide specifically can go to the thyroid or I'm sure other places as well. And the yeah. immune system is looking for it and it will attack and it will attack whatever it stands in its way. And that can include your own tissues and you can become having an issue and intolerance basically to your own tissue because your immune system is so hyper-focused and hyper-vigilant that it's basically destroying anything in its path. And that is when you've got a real problem in the body and this kind of chronic inflammation that's caused by this leaky gut and gluten. Right. And, and I think too, what's really important to understand is that you will not get a diagnosis of autoimmune disease until the tissue damage reaches such a level that pathology can be identified through traditional testing. Autoimmune disease progresses in silence. So it can be going on for five, seven, 10 years before the symptoms emerge and, and you wind up in a doctor's office because you're in pain or your joints are inflamed or you can't get out of bed or whatever your symptoms are then they can do the testing and the damage is so extensive that they can diagnose you. But it's been going on for years. So that's why it's so important. What we do is we can help people avoid diagnosis, yeah. right? Wouldn't you rather know now, right? Don't wait for diagnosis, avoid it. I, I'm so, so passionate about this, Whitney. And I, yeah. I talk to my clients about this now and it's so interesting. I'm sure you've seen this too with the labs. It's like, if you, if you have a client who's 23 and you have a client who's 43, yeah. the pathology of the 43 year old is so much worse because yeah. it's been going on for so long. And the 23 year old, you know, maybe they just started to have pain or maybe they were one of the lucky ones, like one of us who, who right. got it or like me who had GI issues and it was very easily disrupting my life and I had to deal with it. But, you know, you're right. It can go on for such a long time before you yes. end up actually realizing that there's extensive damage. Yes, oh. absolutely. And, and one thing that I'm really passionate about, Sophie, is, is you know, because I work predominantly with women, and most of them are mothers, um, is talking to them about their children. Right? It's, it's one thing to figure out that, yes, you're gluten sensitive, and maybe you've collected one or two autoimmune diseases, and you might be down the road to collecting another, but you're not separate from your kids. You know, I mean, so much of this is familial. Mm -hmm. And what shows up as gluten sensitivity for me, like psoriasis and interstitial cystitis, for my child might be schizophrenia or autism or, right, uh, other sensory disorders or type 1 diabetes, right? Uh, oh, I'm so glad you brought this up because I know there's a lot of moms listening. And um, another FDN and I just partnered on a case because I had a, I had this exact situation happen. I had a woman come in with multiple, uh, what I call, what Dr. Karazian calls, you know, loss of oral tolerance, basically. She put right. something in her mouth without her immune system freaking out and her having all issues, all the issues we just mentioned from skin to fatigue to foggy brain to, to digestive issues. And so 
we were primarily starting with looking at her gut and as we were starting to work, she was explaining how stressed she was about her child who had been diagnosed with, um, with sensory processing disorder. Mm. And so I tagged one of our fellow FDNs that works with kids. And I, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, is there, is there something we can do here? Cause I, I haven't worked with kids, but my hunch is that whatever's going on with mom is going on with kiddo yeah. and just manifesting differently. And sure enough, we, we ran a bunch of labs and there were a lot of things there, but what, the one thing, the one huge red flag was massive, massive markers all over the zoomer for gluten for both. Yes. Off the charts. And we did the neural zoomer and, and the child did have massive neuro inflammation in the brain. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you're just, you're so spot on. And I think actually this kid might even have pandas, you know, it's really, we think about how many of these diseases are skyrocketing in the, in the world. And then you think about gluten and it's really not a hard leap for us to make here. (laughs) Right. Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, like what you were saying about the difference between your 40 year old client and your 20 year old client, I have a a, a slightly skewed perception on that because, you know, I'm 54 and I mean, I can look at my trajectory and say, yeah, I struggled for 20 years before I got real answers and I collected a few autoimmune diseases, but you know what? Had I been born in 1996, with the same genetics, my health issues would have started much earlier Mm. because, you know, I lived in a much cleaner environment than kids today. I don't have, I didn't grow up with all of the toxins and the EMFs and, and all kinds of stuff, right. That, that we're bombarded with today. And what I see is that gluten sensitivity is showing up younger and younger and younger. And usually it's in the form of these sensory disorders, um, skin issues, um, type one diabetes, things like that. Right. So that's, that's a huge concern for parents everywhere. You know, you're so, you're spot on. And I, I say the same thing. I mean, I, and I think that is why I get such a big range is, but you know, the women who are in my practice that are in their forties, it took a long time for them to yeah. get, get there. But the women in their early twenties, they're just like I was when I was in my early twenties. Yes. And yes. it's like, why did I start having GI issues when I was 16 years old? You know, I mean, the kid that I'm thinking about is not even 10. So, you know, I think you're right. There's just like this toxic soup. So why don't we give people some um, thoughts about where does gluten hide out? I mean, let's go through the, the obvious ones. I think everyone knows when we're talking about gluten, we're talking about things like pizza and breads and, yeah. and that, of course. But there's yeah. a lot of places that gluten likes to hide. And I know that there's a lot of like exposures we can kind of get along the way that we might, we might be you know, giving up our favorite croissant, we want to make sure that our whole environment is gluten-free. And you're a really good expert at this. because So you could walk us through maybe all these different places that gluten can get us. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, one of the big things that I do in my practice is, is coach women how to truly eliminate wheat and gluten from their lives. And it's more difficult than you'd think because gluten shows up in everything. So it's in all kinds of different condiments. Um, It's in our personal care products, our shampoos and conditioners, our our lipstick, our, you know, our foundation, um, all kinds of products. And then it's also in strange things like orthodontia. So your retainer, right? Or your mouth guard if if you play sports, right? It can show up there. Um, Then, you know, there are things like, like, um, 
compostable produce bags, um, compostable pet waste bags, they can be made from wheat starch, right? Mm -hmm. Technically, it may not contain gluten, but like we already touched upon, everyone who's gluten sensitive that I've seen is also wheat sensitive, right? So it's half a dozen, six of the other, right? Um, And then the other thing is that, you know, gluten can collect in places in your kitchen too. So anything you use in your kitchen, cutting boards, wooden spoons, nonstick pans, um, plastic food storage containers, the the filter on your dishwasher, right? Um, a lot of places where gluten will just hide. It's a very sticky, resilient little protein. So even if you eliminate gluten from your pantry and wheat from your pantry, if you don't get rid of some of these, you know, commonly used housewares, kitchenwares, you will continue to contaminate yourself over time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the same is true, you know, if, if you get rid of everything in your pantry and even in your kitchen, but you don't go through all your personal care products, right, that you use. And most women use a lot more products than men do. Yeah. Right? This is a huge area. Huge. Yeah. Big, big area. So, and it's more difficult to, to find in personal care products because the labeling laws are different. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it can show up. You, you can't just look for wheat on a label or gluten on a label. It doesn't work that way. There are so many different ways in which it can show up. Um, one common way is something like natural flavoring, Ugh, right? Yeah. Or spices. You know, we, we see the quote unquote word spices on labels all the time. What does that mean? Nothing. Right? Nothing. It just means a, a collection of spices. That That's commonly a source of gluten and wheat contamination. So, you know, it, it, it gets to the level of needing to, one, understand all the ways in which gluten can show up on a label, whether it's in food or personal care products, but also thinking about what other foods might also be triggering a wheat or gluten response. Because even though your immune system is looking for wheat and gluten, the protein structures between wheat and other non-gluten foods like rice and corn and dairy are so similar that the immune system can often make a mistake and mistake one for the other, right? Mm-hmm. So you can spend a lot of time eliminating gluten from your life, from your house, but if you're still eating corn and your immune system has identified corn as gluten or wheat, you'll continue to have the tissue destruction, the symptoms, the autoimmune progression that goes along with your wheat and gluten sensitivity. Yeah. So it's not just about wheat, right? And and I think, you know, that can be really, really overwhelming thing to hear. Mm -hmm. And we want to recognize that you you don't have to do all of this at once, right? I mean, this this takes time. That's why Whitney has a course we're going to talk about where you can get all this information, but you know, having someone to support you through that is important, I think, and, and understanding it and just having the information of what's right. going on. And, you know, it just, it does, it just takes time. Okay. And it's, it's all right. But knowing where these things are hiding is crucial for your health. I mean, it's absolutely the biggest thing, the biggest way that you can improve your health, in my opinion. Absolutely. And being patient too, because, you know, you and I talked about this um, uh, before we started recording, but Gluten inflammation can last for months in the body. So if you go gluten-free and wheat-free and you're 100% successful at eliminating it, you may not feel better until months down the road. 
So some people get really frustrated because they eliminate it and they go, yeah, well, I didn't feel different. You know, yeah. I don't, I'm not better. So that's not my problem. You can't rely on your symptoms because that inflammatory process can last for three months, four months, five months, depending on your individual immune response. So I usually tell people, give it six months, right? And even then, if you don't feel better after six months, then we have to investigate, one, are you continuing to get exposed in your own home or maybe in restaurants, you know, depending on what your behaviors and lifestyle factors are? Or do you have cross-reactive sensitivities to some of these other foods that look a lot like wheat and gluten? Right. I think you just brought up something. I mean, obviously, a lot of things are still shut down, but people are starting to to order out more. One of my favorite tools, if I order something out, you know, obviously, I'm human. I'm, I live with somebody. Sometimes we're living with other people. We want to order something. I don't do a lot of ordering out, but if I was to order out something that I always have is like wheat rescue, for example, yeah. something just in case, like even if I ask them, is it gluten free and all these things, because well, Whitney, if you just remember what Whitney said about your, your kitchen, if, if they're cooking in a, a kitchen, which almost every kitchen is going to have with things that have gluten in it, you're getting cross exposed that way. You're getting, it's like yeah. the little tiny pieces are getting exposed. So you might as well just have it on hand for any time you eat out. I mean, that's like my rule of thumb with like, with, with that. I mean, would you agree or is there anything else you would say about Absolutely. that? Absolutely. I, I would say don't rely on it to keep you safe. Right. Right. But if you're going over to someone's house for dinner, if you're going to a restaurant, um, absolutely. That's, that's one additional layer of protection. Mm -hmm. Um, to at least minimize, you know, some of, some of the harmful effects of an exposure. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I also want to mention is, you know, sometimes we go to restaurants and, and they can be doing everything, be very diligent in trying to keep you safe. But there are some ingredients that, that the restaurant people just don't know that, that, Hey, this ingredient contains gluten, right? Mm -hmm. So they may be using a certain, spice blend, right? So, but it has wheat in it and they don't know it. So those kinds of things can happen. And you have to assume that when you go to a restaurant that there's a very high probability that you will get contaminated. That is a really good point because, you know, as much as I think also this just goes back to not being like in a victim mentality, you know, you can't, Unfortunately, with this stuff, you do have to step up to the plate and own your own health experience and your own health journey. Yes. You can't rely on a server to like have the same depth of knowledge that you might have about gluten and, and its, its places in, in the body and, uh, or where it shows up in the, in the food and how it can affect your body. You know, they don't understand right. what that experience is like for you and your body. And that, that's really your, it is really your responsibility, which is why we, we do programs like this. So you guys can understand, you know, where this stuff comes from, because yeah. it's, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of things to think about, but as you start to learn it more, it it becomes a lot easier to navigate and you can, you know, scan the menu pretty quickly and be like, okay, this is going to be probably gluten-free. Let me double check and let me have my wheat rescue just in case, you know? Yes, absolutely. It it does become a lot easier. Um, before we kind of wrap things up, is there, are there things outside of natural flavoring and spices? Are there any other, um, words on the back of a processed food label? Uh, could mean gluten. Um, I I don't know. Sure. Well, I think one thing to recognize is that um, food manufacturers are pretty savvy that gluten-free is popular. 
And just having gluten-free anywhere on the label will increase sales up to 30%, right? So they, they are motivated to put gluten-free somewhere on a label. However, all that gluten-free means is that the ingredient list does not knowingly contain any ingredients known to contain gluten. That's all it means, right? So what, what you need to look for on the label is that fine print that says processed in a facility that also processes and then read what comes after that. Usually it's like dairy, nuts, wheat, gluten, right? So even if the product is gluten-free, labeled as such, but it's processed in a facility that also processes wheat, you have to avoid it because cross-contamination occurs during the manufacturing process. And they're not testing these products. When you see gluten-free on a label, it's pretty meaningless. They're not testing it. The only products that are being tested are those that are certified gluten-free. And that's that little, you know, circle with the GF, you know, in it. Right. But that doesn't mean it's certified wheat-free, does it? No, just gluten-free. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes, just gluten. It does not mean wheat-free. So it could still contain starches and non-gluten proteins from wheat, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's another thing. You know, the, the gluten certification system is based on the celiac population. It's driven by celiac disease. So we don't have a wheat-free certification. That just doesn't exist. Gosh, Whitney, I just realized right. that as you were saying it and what you said earlier, and I mean, I'm gluten-free and I, I never even thought about that. You yeah. Know, that's a really huge yeah. thing to think about. Wow. Wow. One thing I want to mention, because it always blows people away, is, you know, most people who drink alcohol think, okay, well, wine. Wine is, is gluten-free. But what people don't understand is that, that wineries will add natural flavorings to wine during what's called the fining process. It's the flavoring process. They don't have to disclose anything that they add. There's no labeling laws that dictate it. And so they'll use flavorings that may or may not be comprised of gluten-containing ingredients or wheat-containing ingredients. In addition to that, if they're aging their wine in barrels, those barrels are often glued together with wheat paste. So, you know, you can be drinking your wine thinking I'm gluten-free and meanwhile you're getting a little dose of wheat and gluten with every sip. So the real solution is to drink tequila. No. <laughs> yes, that is my solution. Yes. <laughs> That's what Whitney, everyone's heard it here, Whitney Morgan's yes. tequila fan. Oh my god. With a little kombucha. Yeah, it's nice. Wow. That's actually, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I recently was, um, recently was talking to somebody who works in a clean wine industry. And she was explaining to me, she says a little tangent on top of this, which is really cool, is that, like you said, there's no regulations. And when you just buy a bottle of wine at the store, they could add like 16 grams of sugar and all these chemicals to basically yep. quickly ferment and make the wine from the grape. And so you do really want to be mindful about actually um, finding out if it's like a clean wine as well. And I would imagine yes. that if you're going to that level with the clean wines, they might also, you know, take the extra step with the gluten. I don't know, but it's just right. something, it's just an interesting thing. And when I, when she told me that I was like, gosh, Sophie, like not to hate on myself, but I was like, you know, you're really not like thinking of, you never really think about this. Like I, I thought, gosh, how come I, uh, me in this industry not think about the fact that wine isn't regulated? 
you know, just like personal care products aren't regulated or just like any supplements aren't regulated. Wine is also one of those things that's, that's just not regulated and you don't know what's in there. So yeah. Thank you for bringing that up because that's important. You know, drink your tequila instead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Whitney, what else? Anything else that you want to share with people about gluten? And um, well, uh, my big soapbox, Sophie, and I, I say it to my clients over and over again, is, you know, you're not gluten-free if your house isn't gluten-free. So I'm a big proponent of that. If, if you're really committed to being gluten-free because of your health, you know, if you've got one or more autoimmune diseases and you know that you are gluten or wheat sensitive, it's so, so important for your home to be a truly safe zone for you. We can't eliminate our exposure out in the world, but we can certainly do it inside of our home. Mm-hmm. So that is my big passion. And that's what I spend a lot of my time coaching my clients through. And I've developed um, a, a small mini course around that. It's, it's called the Gluten Gauntlet Mini Course, and it's five weeks to a gluten-free house. So for your listeners, um, not only am I um, letting them just try out the first lesson for free, um, but I'm also giving them a promo code so they can get $50 off if they choose to upgrade to the complete, um, to the complete mini course. Fantastic. And I know the course itself is only $127. So you're going to get $50 off of that. This is a no brainer. You're going to get Whitney telling you about how to make your, your home, your sanctuary truly safe for you. If you are dealing with gluten sensitivity, wheat sensitivity, or having multiple autoimmune diseases, or really any of the symptoms that we just discussed. I think the anxiety part and depression part with gluten is so huge. So if you're just dealing with that and you want to try going gluten-free, this might be a perfect course for you and so affordable. Thank you for making this available for them. Absolutely. And th- one of the nice things about the course um, that's been really fun for me and I've been getting some good feedback on it is that um, going through the course at every step of the way, all participants have access to me through a private portal system. So you can send me questions. I can help you troubleshoot, right? So there is a little bit of personal one-on-one coaching that's available. It's not just some online course in a vacuum. And it's beneficial for participants, but it's also beneficial for me because I'm always learning how to improve it, right? What people's obstacles are, you know, what are their pain points? And Whitney, is it something that you can take at any time? Like, is it just rolling or are there, is enrollment Close. No, you can take it at any time. It's evergreen. It's designed to be consumed over five weeks, but you can binge the whole thing if you want. Um, you have access yeah, to I'm going to binge the whole gluten gauntlet while drinking the tequila. <laughs> there you go. That's a good idea. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Also, guys, we're joking about the tequila. Please don't drink a lot of alcohol. It also causes leaky gut. <laughs> Correct. Yes. If you're going to drink. Horrible for your gut. Yes. Yeah, if you're going to drink, maybe, you know, don't compound the issue by adding gluten to the problem. Okay. Right. Um, okay. So yeah, the code, I will drop all the links in and the code is she talks 50 for $50 off of that, um, five weeks to the gluten-free household. And I know Whitney, you can be found on morgannutrition.com. Is that correct? Yes. Awesome. And, and tell people before we hang up to you, I know you work a lot on the, on the gluten things, but there's other things that you, you handle too, right? Autoimmune disease. Like why would someone listening to this come to you to work with you one-on-one and not just buy your, your mini course, for example? Right. Pretty much my client base. Um, I work with women who've collected one or more autoimmune disorders 
and have not been able to truly repair the damage in order to reverse or, or halt the progression. So that's my focus. And 95% of the time, there is always a wheat and gluten component, which is one of the reasons why I spend so much time talking about it. Um, but really, I, I, I address any autoimmune issue. Um, a lot of my clients have Hashimoto's, so I, I have a program specific for um, thyroid um, health and thyroid autoimmunity. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of all things gluten, right, the gluten guru. So if, if any of your listeners suspect that they have an issue with gluten, um, definitely I, I encourage you to reach out to me and at least for no other reason, you know, get on my blog, learn about how to test yourself, the right test to take, um, you know, where the possible pitfalls all are so that you can avoid, um, you know, falling through the cracks like so many people do. Oh, yes. Thank you so much, Whitney. Thank you so much sure. for coming to the show and dropping so much knowledge today. I really appreciate it. I've really enjoyed it. So you glad know, to I be here, Sophie. Yeah, <laughs> <Me> too. <laughs> and, you know, everyone, something I just want to close with is there's a lot of food dogma out there and there's a lot yeah. of fear around food and there's a lot of do this diet, do that. And I try to stay out of that, but this is, and I know my, 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 my partner, Kyleen, who does the empower her program with me, we both feel the same way that Whitney does on this. It's like a no gluten zone, right? Because of all the reasons yeah. we just discussed. And it's not because we want you to have, um, you know, a weird feeling about food or, or exclusions. It's because it's just causing so many issues. And um, honestly, I don't think that you can restore your health if you're still eating gluten. I just don't. So, I agree with you. Um, and, and from the mere fact of what you said earlier about that, even if you're not having a reaction on an immune level, it's still poking holes in your gut and that causes yep. problems. So Whitney, thank you so much for explaining all of that so eloquently. And for everyone listening, um, you can check out Whitney's website, morgannutrition.com. I'm going to drop all the links in here so you can get into her five weeks to a gluten-free house. If you need me, Sophie Shepard, you can find me on my website or Instagram at shetalkshealth or shetalkshealth.com where I will be there to answer any and all questions you have about your menstrual cycle and your period issues. I'm your girl. Just shoot me a DM, shoot me an email, and I will get right back to you. So I'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us this week for She Talks Health. Please join Sophie Shepard again next week for another episode of our show on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week. Are you done medicating and guessing your way through the exhaustion, pain and irritability caused by menstrual cycle and digestive health issues? Sophie Shepard, founder of She, will help you go from symptom-ridden and confused to finally having clarity about how your menstrual cycle works and confidence in your health strategy in just 10 days. If you are ready to stop living with painful, heavy, irregular, or non-existent periods, no energy, brain fog, anxiety, and digestive issues, then check out the 10-Day Digestive and Hormone Reboot at SheTalksHealth.com. 
Sophie Shepard is a functional nutrition practitioner and founder of SHE. Sophie helps busy women all over the world go from menstrual cycle chaos to optimal hormonal alignment so they can live their lives fully without being held back by their bodies. Using the power of functional lab testing combined with life-changing mindset shifts and integrating the entire body's system. If the only thing holding you back is your health, it's time to stop letting hormonal chaos run your world. Book your health discovery call today by going to shetalkshealth.com.